My name is Corey Burris, and I have the honor of working for the Georgia Center for Opportunity, where we live by the motto, not for self, but for others. Every day, I get to talk with people breaking through serving their communities. These are nonprofit leaders, local volunteers, and businesses. This is the Breakthrough Podcast. This week, I'm joined by GCO's own Eric Cochran. Eric has been with GCO for decades and spearheaded the revolutionary project titled Hiring Well, Doing Good. Hiring Well, Doing Good tackles unemployment in a unique way, bringing the dignity that comes from work to the underserved in our communities. Uh, this week, I am joined with Eric Cockling, who is my co-worker at the Georgia Center for Opportunity. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about a project that we've had going on um, here at GCO for a while that I think is unique to organizations like ours. But first, um, Eric, thanks for jumping on the call with me. But um, tell me a little bit about your, because you've, you've been at GCO for quite a few years. Um, how yes. long have you been at GCO and, and what has your yeah. journey within GCO been like? I've been here about 12 and a half years, actually. Um, wow. And I, you know, I was just thinking about it the other day. I've been working with GCO in some capacity, whether a volunteer or as a donor or something like that, for over 21 years. So wow. it goes back a long way. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the main uh, areas that you are involved in now is uh, kind of overseeing this project we call Hiring Well, Doing Good. Um, and, and tell me, tell me a little bit about how we got into, well, actually, before we get into that, tell me what is hiring well doing good? If you had to explain this to somebody, you know, what, yeah. what does hiring well doing good look like? So there's, there are really two stories to the, the phrase or the title hiring well doing good. One is where the name came from and what generated that. And I think that's an important piece of the story and yeah. then really, really what it became you know, as a program, but initially this goes back a ways and maybe gets into some of the background on hiring well, doing good in our, the program now. But uh, years ago we started doing work in the inner city of Atlanta, uh, trying to do things like strengthen marriages. Right. And we had a team, uh, Joyce Witted on our team and some others um, were active in the inner city of Atlanta, uh, trying to strengthen marriages. And the thing that started happening was that Joyce and others would come back and say, one, there aren't any marriages to strengthen in this community, unfortunately. Two, um, we need to do something about the criminal justice system because every family is reporting to us that that is a big hindrance to um, having healthy relationships within the family because so many of the, largely it's the father's, experienced either jail or prison time and the system was not preparing them to come back to their families um, and instead created new habits in them that actually increased dysfunction in the family and so that launched us at GCO down a path of looking at what we could do on criminal justice reform to help with the re-entry system you know as as these men and, and women too are starting to come out of prison and make sure that they are able to transition back into society in a, in a productive way, in a healthy way, healthier way. Um, and that's how we sort of started down the path that ultimately led the hiring while doing good. So uh, as we sort of sought out reforms and, and did the work of creating reform ideas around prisoner reentry, the big thing that we settled on as being, being the thing that we could 
we could do something about quickly was the need to improve access to work and the, you know, take down the barriers that keep folks coming back from prison from getting jobs and getting them fairly quickly. Um, things like not being able to get a driver's license or an ID um, uh, prior to being released or being excluded from getting vocational type licenses, you know, for plumbing or electrical work, things like that, that a lot of the men, especially coming out of prison, those were the types of jobs that a lot of times they would gravitate to, you know? So we did a bunch of work on the policy side, uh, trying to impact that and we had good success. And then as reforms were implemented either through legislation or by the governor, we, um, we basically said, well, how can we get the word out that these changes have been made? And this is all the way back starting in 2013, just to give you a sense of how long it's been. And we said, you know, in a brainstorming session, we thought, well, let's host an event. You know, that's the very least we can do. And we'll invite the nonprofit uh, groups that we know that work with this population, you know, the reentry uh, nonprofits. And we'll invite business leaders, too. And it'll give us a forum where we can explain the changes in the law to both, you know, both groups of people, help them understand how they can, um, you know, help this population get back into work. And from a very business-centric perspective, hire well and do good at the same time. So mm -hmm. hire well, you know, find employees that can do the work and do it well and really serve your company, but also do good for the community at the same time. So that event yeah. was Hiring Well, Doing Good. And then out of that has come a program with the same name. So that's a, yeah. that's a lot, but that's how. Yeah, but, that, but that's, that's what's unique about what we're doing at GCO, right? Like it is, it is um, really listening to the needs um, or, or coming at this from a perspective of like, how do we address a need that exists in these communities and then go and then learning in that process of what the real either policy hurdles are or community hurdles are or social uh, obstacles are placed in, in the way of people being successful and so, or, or prospering in life. So, um, so we decided to do this hiring while doing good. What, what has it evolved into at yeah. this point and what is hiring while doing good in 2020? Yeah. Well, out of our event, um, the hiring while doing good event, we had a couple interesting things happen. One was, you know, an interest in other communities around the state for us to have similar events, basically just to spread the word. Because at that point, remember, it's, it's pre-COVID. Uh, right. Unemployment rates are, are not awesome, you know, but they're low, low unemployment rates. So we're, we're talking about things that help the most chronically unemployed and difficult to employ to get back into work. So, um, so there was a, a pretty big demand for us to do this event in other places. But in our own community in Gwinnett, there were, were requests from nonprofits and, and some of the businesses for us to think about doing something that would be more long-term. You know, it's great that we had the event and inform people, but is there something that GCO could do to bring the, bring the community together to actually think through how we set up a system or a process or program or something? that would actually create a pipeline into work for these, these same people and would, you know, and in part would we expand it beyond criminal justice and people coming out of prison and think about, you know, people who've been homeless, uh, 
people who've just been out of the workforce for a long time. And so they have a spotty resume and sometimes that makes it really difficult, you know, to, to get employment. Maybe people who have some sort of criminal record, but maybe have not been in prison. These are all populations that tend to just not be able to find work or keep it. So that's, that's what it became was sort of that, that question, could we create a program around it? And so in Gwinnett, we started hosting meetings at our office uh, of nonprofits and business leaders and people who've been impacted by joblessness. And out of that came an idea for um, just an ongoing initiative where we pull together businesses who are willing to employ, you know, the population that we're trying to help, the folks we're trying to help, and then the nonprofits that are serving them and helping to create that pipeline. And out of that came even more things like the, the creation of a platform a web platform that we also call Hiring While Doing Good uh, that sort of streamlined some of the things that everybody was acknowledging and telling us were difficulties. You know, one of those uh, being barriers assessment for the people coming in, you know, looking for work. A, a lot of the same things were being faced, lack of transportation, lack of housing, um, you know, maybe a criminal record that needed to be cleaned up or dealt with in some way, lack of uh, identification, some of those issues that we tried to deal with on the policy side. Um, so the platform itself started to take shape and incorporate those things that they were telling us uh, were needed. And beyond barriers assessment, um, there was a need to connect the job seekers to nonprofits who could help fill those barriers. And so we there's a piece of the platform that does that. And then finally, there's a job connection piece that includes um, surveying and assessments that allow a job seeker to strengthen their soft skills. And ultimately we want to expand that to, um, to increasing their hard skills, you know, the skills that they can bring to an employer. So that's kind of, it's kind of where we are at the moment and I can go into more detail. Well, and I think uh, going back even to the barriers assessment, I think that's been one of the more interesting things that we have learned through this entire process is that, um, I think some most people from the outside that have not struggled to find a job that have been in either a good economy or have had opportunities available to them, they just go, well, why don't you just go out and find a job? But we realized that there were, there were truly these, I know we call it a barriers assessment. There were these obstacles in people's way that like, oh, I can't, I can't get to, I can't get to the job. I don't have the ability. I don't have childcare for my kids. And so there's all exactly. these things that these outside forces that impact your ability to be employable or em- stay employed that, that, you know, we had to think through. And so talk to me a little bit about how uh, kind of the pilot programs that led us to the questions that we're asking now in this platform. Yeah. Well, a lot of the questions initially came from the nonprofits that we were working with as, you know, as part of our working group. Honestly, you know, as we, you know, as we started thinking through if there was a a web-based solution, you know, to, uh, to the issues that they were seeing, uh, many of the questions just kind of bubbled up from what they see every day. So we've, we've worked with uh, food cooperative ministries, um, ministries that that do housing, you name it. Um, We've kind of had them as part of our working groups here at GCO. And so out of those groups experience, honestly, that's where most of our questions have come from. Now we've refined those over time, just based on experience and additional learning. 
but it really came out of the things that they're seeing all the time. So, you, you know, typical problems for the folks we're trying to help are they don't have access to stable housing. Or if they're in housing, they may be in extended stay hotels. Um, could be that they're renting, but they're, clo- they're always one paycheck away from being, you know, evicted. Something like that. That's always an issue. Transportation, major issue. Um, again, the criminal record, whether it is, you know, was included a, a stay in prison or something like that, that is a massive barrier that, that we hear about constantly. And you brought up childcare. You know, that's, a, that's another one. And especially, you know, as things have changed and the COVID shutdown has been in place, the access to childcare, kids being at home and, and it's not safe to take them anywhere, that's become a massive issue well beyond what it was even before. Yeah. So um, kind of walk through the user experience. You come into a platform, you sign up for an account, you put a little bit of information about yourself. What, what kind of things are users asked or walked through and given in that process? Yeah. Well, in the uh, platform, you start out with just basic information so you can create an account. But beyond that, it's really we start with barrier assessment type questions. Like give us, we prepare them for the fact that we're going to ask, you know, these questions that sometimes are uncomfortable. You know, do you have a criminal history? Well, people aren't eager to give that up, but we try to explain, and I think we do pretty, pretty, a pretty good job at this, that, you know, it's all about trying to help them overcome them. We're not trying to dig up dirt. It's uh, we're here to try to help. So it, it's really those barrier questions that we've gone over. It's, um, you know, do you have a criminal history? If you have children, do you have childcare? Do you have reliable transportation? Um, what level of employment or what level of education have you achieved? You know, uh, those types of things. And then once that's done, the, the system itself starts to pair that person with nonprofits that can help, you know. So if they're if they're looking for housing, maybe there's a local housing authority that has programming, you know, and and the ability to provide vouchers and other things that get you to a point where you're in stable housing. Uh, if it's a nutrition food related issue, sometimes we get that. We're, our food cooperatives are are part of the system as well. So it kind of walks you through that part of it, dealing with those those barriers that people are facing. And then after that, it's a soft skills assessment that we put people through that asks a series of questions. And based on the answers to that, we have a very good idea of kind of their profile, you know, and the issues that they might face when they actually get into a job. Uh, Things like maybe an inability to deal with conflict, um, maybe not having the greatest communication skills, not being punctual, those types of things. And then the, the, questionnaire on soft skills is linked to curriculum, both online and in person, that allows people to kind of walk through, if they're comfortable online, they can take courses online that help them deal with those barriers. And if they need a, um, you know, a class in the community, we have the ability to offer that as well. And then the last piece, yeah. I was going to say, I have to imagine that's an important thing for an employer to be able to see too, that not only are, are the people that are coming through the, the process, are they being vetted or not being vetted, but being trained, they're being trained in areas that may have historically been gaps in people's lives. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think for any employer, I mean, the market's a little, maybe it is very different today, which we, we can get to kind right. of how we shifted things. But 
you know, back when we were essentially at full employment and employers were just looking for anybody, you know, that they can fill a, a job. They're looking for sort of a, a qualifying organization or, you know, some group that could say, look, we have been working with this person. They're putting forth a, a good effort here. Here are the things that they could contribute to your organization. And that's really helpful. Yeah, that's great. So, um, and then the last step, obviously, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but like the last step is okay. them being able to see a list of jobs, right? Like they're being able to, to yeah. access like employment opportunities in their area. That's right. Yeah. And so on that front, really what we've done is we, in the communities where we are, and there, there are a few places where we're working now, but um, we essentially have a curated list of jobs that we develop. And the way it's come about at first, it was go and grab all the jobs that we think, you know, these folks would be interested in doing and be qualified for. Um, it's turned into sort of a back and forth where we, when we first populate those jobs, uh, we do that. But then as we learn the community, we start to find out specific needs that people have or desires. Like, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of people would like to work in jobs where maybe it's with the government at some level. We got specific requests on that. So we've started adding jobs there. Um, jobs that can be done from home, like in the current environment, uh, kids are at home, but you still have single moms who need to work. So they're looking for jobs like that. So we've started to intentional, intentionally go out and look for those kinds of jobs and populate the system with those. And then on the employer side, once we get into a community, we start learning who the employers are if we didn't know before. And a lot of times we will develop relationships where we get directly from them new job opportunities. Um, and those are populated as well. So that's, that's the approach. Rather than a shotgun approach of every job that you would find on Indeed or one of these large sites, it's really focused on trying to help the people that we know are looking, you know, at that moment. That's great. And this, um, I mean, what I love about this project is it's this idea of, like we talk about civil society a lot and we talk mm -hmm. about communities coming together to meet the needs in their own communities, right? And so we go, we go into a new community, we talk with local area businesses, we're talking with local service providers, uh, nonprofit organizations that are community-based organizations. Um, what, what do we look for when identifying who to partner with and who to work with in those cases, other than yeah. just willingness to be part of it. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I, I want to make clear, and it's probably the emphasis on the platform has probably missed this a little bit, but the platform is merely a tool, right? Our, mm -hmm. It's a tool to help uh, people develop relationships with, with, with each other, whether it's uh, with between a job seeker and the nonprofit that can help, you know, and, possibly mentors that can be developed through the nonprofit or through some of the work that we do, or it's a relationship with an employer, you know, and, the, and that ability to become comfortable, you know, the employer to become comfortable with them, you know, to eventually develop into a job, right? It's sort of, our focus really is about that relationship first. And the, the focus we have on community is based on that, right? Life is done uh, at the community level, and when we're successful in life broadly, it means that our relationships are generally good, right? Life, that's, that's success. If you boil it yeah. all down, like if, if your job is going great, 
um, you know, you're, you're generally healthy and happy about life. The thing that's pretty much always true is that your relationships are by and large healthy. doesn't mean they're perfect and that they're all great, but so not to harp on that too much, but really that's what it's about. So we, we see the platform as a tool for that. And because it's just a tool, really what we think is the heart of the program is when you get to a new community, it's developing those relationships with the nonprofits and the businesses and others, civic leaders, uh, concerned citizens, you name it. Uh, whoever really has a, a heart for this, you know, workforce development and helping people who are chronically unemployed, those are the people that we find. And that's who we need. You know, that's who we gravitate to. Because ultimately, you know, we, GCO is not really a direct service provider organization. We rely on groups to do that. We're, we're there to help convene um, those organizations, help to develop a vision, give them tools, you know, that, that will allow them to, to do the program. Um, but it's all about them, you know, and it's yeah. all about helping facilitate that. That's great. So uh, share with me a little bit of the vision now, right? Like obviously yeah. we've changed a little bit in terms of COVID, but we are, we're in multiple cities where we're looking, but we're also looking at opportunities outside of um, Georgia itself as well. Yes. Um, partially because of what you're saying, you know, I mean, the, the we have to be a little, I don't want to say slow, but we have to be intentional in some of those things because it is about bringing communities together and, and gathering those groups of, of interest groups together. But what, where, where is the platform heading um, and, and where's the vision for it now? Yeah. 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 So currently we're doing work in Columbus, Georgia. We've got a program in Lawrenceville. Um, we're ramping up to be able to do a, a bigger program in Gwinnett County, um, you know, it's the second largest county in the state, which should tell us a lot uh, about yeah. where the program needs to go. Um, and we've got great community support, you know, in each one of those areas. And it, it really has come down to, you know, having sort of leading philanthropy um, interested in what we're doing, the leading nonprofits in those communities interested in what we're doing and seeing value in it. And I think, you know, the thing that is, has helped us be successful is we try to come, come at this with a very humble attitude about what we know and what we don't know. And realizing that the community is the expert on what needs to be done and we need to listen to that. And so I think what that translates into is that we're learning all the time that, you know, about things we didn't really understand or didn't know. And, and with COVID and the economic issues that we've been having, like it's, it's changed quite a bit about how we've approached things. I mean, to the point that when we first started this, we really saw it as a sort of a, a, a pretty fixed process, you know, as we work with somebody seeking a job, um, we definitely have to do a barriers assessment. This is old thinking, right? We definitely have to do soft skills assessment and work them through a program of getting their soft skills short up before we ever get to the search for jobs, right? Well, when you have, you know, what, right now the official number for April was something like 11, almost 12% unemployment in Georgia, and we expect it to be something like 14% with the new numbers coming out. The thing that you really need is a job now. If you've lost your job, you need to be stable um, before a lot of these other things make any sense. 
or before yeah. you have breathing room to worry about developing soft skills or hard skills, you know? So the thing that's made us do is sort of uh, take the platform, uh, break it into chunks, essentially, to say if somebody's currently in a job and they're wanting to go on and do soft skills work, then they have, they'll have the ability to do that. But if it's the most common situation that we're seeing is that they just need a job, and then we'll talk about the other stuff, we've got the ability now to just do the job search. And, um, you know, that's the, that's the tack that we've really taken for Lawrenceville. It's, it's kind of the direction we're heading uh, for Columbus as well. With the rest of it, you know, the training opportunities and all the rest of it still there and accessible, but almost separate, you know, so that, so that people can start um, kind of at the point where they are. So that's, that's one thing, you know, the other thing that we've learned is that depending on the population that you're working with and in Lawrenceville, you know, we're, we're working almost exclusively with people out of, uh, who are coming out of extended stay hotels, right? They need a lot of coaching. Um, not all, not everybody, but there's a lot of coaching needed. Uh, because a lot of times these are folks who have been in extended stay hotels for years, you know, and they're not, it's not, you know, month to month. This is day to day and week to week living. And they're not sure from one day to the next, whether they're going to be there, you know, right. and it's, uh, you're almost having to break a cycle of thinking and, and other things to get them in a better position, you know? So we've, the thing we've come to learn there is that we've got to have volunteers, um, ready to be mentoring and coaching. Um, so we've, we've worked pretty hard to generate some, some great volunteers in Lawrenceville that are helping us work uh, with the clients. Cause you know, right now it's just me <laughs> for Lawrenceville and in Columbus, we just have a program manager who's running it. So without, without volunteers, it's, uh, we wouldn't be able to do this. That's great. Um, so one of the uh first of all i love the concept that we spend a lot of time listening to the needs because th i think that you know as as we the more we learn the more we learn about what we don't know and how much we can be responsive to communities and you know so much of the solution is at a local level um but can you, I mean, as we've launched in Lawrenceville recently, tell me, are, are, is there a story coming out of there, one that you can share uh, that of how this has worked out for somebody and changed kind of their trajectory, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will sort of back up and give you a, a little bit of a view about how the Lawrenceville thing came about. I mean, I think that's important here. Um, you know, us joining in the Lawrenceville project really came out of, uh, churches and church members from a variety of the churches in the community and some of the ministries, nonprofit ministries coming together before COVID ever happened, um, thinking about ways that we could serve some of the poorer neighborhoods in that area, you know, and really I'd say it was in God's timing that we were doing that because out of that, that group that was already kind of together and kind of of one mind that was something needed to be done that's where this cooperative effort came from, you know? And I think that's important. It sort of gives you a sense of the heart that needs to exist somewhere, or at least the willingness before something like this, I think works. And the, the thing that I've seen, and I've been surprised by 
frankly, because of, I guess, some preconceived notions about how nonprofits work together, is that everybody has come to the table just open-handed saying, here's what I do well, you know, I do housing well, or I do, I do uh, nutrition well, or transportation is something that we've got some things we can do for. And they're all willing to just bring that to the table. You know, and we come with the jobs platform in some sense of how you work people through that process to get work. It's been a wonderful experience watching it happen, you know. Uh, we had one lady who came through, and at the time, she was, it was, she was in extended stay, getting kicked out. She was living in her car with her daughter and basically came into the program in Lawrenceville. We call it the Lawrenceville Response Center. Um, that's basically the name for all the groups that are participating and helping. We just play a, a part, but um, she received um, help with housing. Uh, this is a, right now it's like a three month program where, where assistance is given for housing for about three months. And there are other things that are added onto that to just help people get stable and, you know, and into a better place. Anyways, at this point, she's moved from being homeless in her car with her daughter to being on a path to having stable long-term housing. She's been accepted into a long-term housing program. She's back into work um, in a stable job. She's got childcare lined up and really everything's pointing in the right direction for her and her daughter again. You know, that's, it's not like everything's fixed and you know, she's guaranteed that things are going to go her way, but that's the kind of success that we hope is replicated you know, over and over and over again with a concerted effort. Yeah. What I love about it is like, we can't, we can't guarantee outcomes, right? But what we can do is do what we can to build bridges and to remove obstacles in people's lives so that they at least have a fighting chance, right? And that's ultimately what the whole idea of this is, is what can we do to support you? What can we do that will help you get from to that next place? So I love that. That's right. And it's interesting, you know, we, it's easy to demonize companies sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and especially if they're landlords, <laughs> you know, in a, in a tough economy and, and people are facing eviction because they just can't pay the rent, you know. Um, but it's been interesting to me to see the dynamic between the nonprofits that do housing in, in this particular project and the, the companies that run these extended stay hotels. Now, not every experience has been like this, but there have been several where, um, just asking the extended stay hotel or the landlord in a, in a rental situation to say, look, we can pay partially for this person or they're on track to getting employed in the next 30 days. You know, will you work with them? Like how many times that's actually happened. Right. And the, and the reason it happened is because people were willing to go out and ask, right. There, there's that, like, we're not assuming anything about you as a landlord, uh, except that you're a human being and we think that you, if you can and, and you want to, you might have the ability to, to offer some grace <laughs> here. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to ask you for that, you know, and I've been surprised by how often that's working out. And maybe that's just my skewed view of, you know, how these things uh, work out in real, real life. But, uh, but it's just been rewarding to see what people are willing to do, you know, and then on the flip side, seeing the, the housing nonprofit go at bat for folks and, you know, use the the means that they have in terms of legal process to slow these things down so that people have more time to, to get stable 
you know, it's just, uh, it's been very interesting, but very rewarding. Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's great to see what civil society does when you put the power back in the hands of people that are like, Oh, we, we actually can take care of our fellow man. Like we can and will and want to, to care for people. So that's right. Yeah. Um, exactly. So if people want to learn more about hiring while doing good, what, what can they do if they're a, organization that wants to get involved, they want to support what's happening, their business. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you can find out about more, more about what this project is. Yeah. Well, there are really two ways. You could go to the uh, Georgia Center for Opportunity website. That's georgiaopportunity.org. We also have a Hiring Well Doing Good website, and it's hiringwelldoinggood.org. I think there's a shorter version that you might know, Corey, <laughs> for that website. <laughs> Hiring well, we'll, uh, we'll link all of them in the notes. Hiringwelldoinggood.com is, is a website. And there are places for, you know, if you're a business and you're interested in having your jobs listed, you know, with the, with the platform, we're happy to do that. Of course, if you're a nonprofit and you want to be part of when we start up in your community, you know, or if you have resources and maybe you're in Lawrenceville or maybe you're working in Columbus and you want to help us there, um, we'd love to, know who you are. If you have volunteers who would like to be mentors, you know, or if you would like to be a, a volunteer yourself, there are ways to sign up for each of those on that website. That's great. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your day to see that you're in the office is kind of cool too. So since most of us have been like myself at home, yeah. so. <laughs> this is only like the third day in the last 12 weeks or so. so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us. If you know of people making a difference in their community, we want to hear about them. Send us a message on Facebook at GA Opportunity. And don't forget to like us while you're there. The Breakthrough Podcast is a production of the Georgia Center for Opportunity. You can find out all the work that we do to help break down the barriers leading to poverty at georgiaopportunity.org.